Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program, all about our state's largest industry, agriculture. On today's show, we're talking about the federal farm bill. And to do that, we got up with longtime pro-farmer Washington columnist Jim Wiesmeyer. We'll get him on the horn in just a moment. But first, Ag and NC is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Jeff Turner is the co-host on the program, COO of Murphy Family Ventures, and member of the North Carolina Board of Ag. How's things with you, Mr. Turner? It's all good. I hope, hope things are well with you, Dan. I, I have to tell you, corn harvest is... Uh, started in earnest at this particular point. I haven't seen sheared stalks yet, but I I know I must be traveling in the wrong areas, and the weather's yeah. been good. And- yep, yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's been dry, and the combines are in the field, and that's a good thing. The reports I'm getting is pretty positive. Our sweet potato crop this year, um, Nash Produce in Nashville says they'll begin harvest early in September, continue through November as normal. Plants look really good. Size the overall sweet potatoes. Um, you, know, you can't tell that until you get them out of the ground. No, that's right. They're obviously beneath the soil. We'll see what we got when we turn them over. Our guest for today, Washington policy analyst and uh, columnist for Pro Farmer, longtime Washington fixture Jim Wiesmeyer. What you got on your list to ask? You know, I, I've known Jim for probably over 30 years at this point. We've uh, been in contact with one another. He's a good good guy. And he's followed farm bills for, for many years. Uh, you know, I, I think the big question is when. and <laughs> Not if, but when. Yeah, when? You know, I have to tell you, I've decided that timelines and deadlines doesn't mean a lot to people in Congress. I think they would probably put Christmas off a few months if they had the opportunity to do that. <laughs> they need to get on with the program and let's get a farm bill. We do, too. We need to get on with the program. Coming up in just a moment, policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to be an ag pack dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you probably already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the ag pack program. Go to BillCaroneCars.com or stop by in Wallace, North Carolina. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller, along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Washington policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer, who, along with Chip Flores, is host of the Signal to Noise podcast and columnist for Pro Farmer. We'll skip all the pleasantries, Jim, and get right to the question. Are we going to get a farm bill this year? Well, it's later rather than sooner. I think everybody should realize that it won't be done by the end of September. That's the end of the fiscal year. And many people misreport that the farm bill expires at the end of September. That's not true. Some farm programs expire, and you really won't need an extension until near the end of this calendar year, and that will likely happen. You know, Senator Bozeman, who I interviewed, uh, you know, yesterday, covered various aspects of the bill, but the timeline, he said, yes, will be probably into October when, when the, uh, you know, Senate considers the bill. Um, in Minnesota earlier this week, I also talked to G.T. Thompson, the House Ag Committee chairman, and he also signaled later rather than sooner because a lot of decisions, several decisions, not a lot, have not yet been made, uh, primarily the funding mechanism to really improve the Title I farm safety net. We talk about the farm bill quite a bit, Jim, and it's a huge expenditure. I guess it's still under $2 trillion. 
the Congressional Budget Office scores it at just right around $1.5 trillion over 10 years. That's a chunk of change, but relative to the expenditures of all things in the government, it, it's very, very low percentage. It's minuscule. And then on top of that, I understand why years ago we tied the nutrition programs back to the Farm Bill and to USDA because it was basically taking excess and using that to distribute it to the to the folks for the nutritional programs. Today, the nutrition programs are 80% of the Farm Bill. Has anyone ever given any thought, let's just break all this stuff up and let's talk about farming and then we'll talk about the nutrition program separately? Oh, that's been mentioned, but it would be, it would play right into the hands of the activists who don't like farm programs. You want to keep them linked because having, uh, it's right around 81% of all the farm bill expenditures are, like you said, food and nutrition, uh, expenditures. And the reason you don't delink them is because if you did, a number of suburbanite and urbanite lawmakers then would probably not vote for the farm bill. So uh, you, you, you should uh, you know, you'll keep that in link. And the farm state lawmakers know that. Really, there is a somewhat of a consensus here. If everybody wants a little feather in their cap, the, the farm bill might be the thing where there's not that great a disparity between the two parties. It's still relatively bipartisan, the farm bill. There's some behind-the-scenes battles, but it usually gets into food stamps, where a Democrat usually doesn't like $1 taken out of that program, and the Republicans tend to uh, fix, uh, you know, fixate on crop insurance, which they should, and uh, the uh, Title One, And that's the key, because our safety net, uh, the reference prices, for example, are woefully behind the levels that are needed relative to the past few years where input costs have gone up uh, dramatically. And, and that's what the, uh, all the, what they call the four corners and the ranking members on the House and Senate Ag Committee, they're trying to find enough funding, uh, through offsets in other areas in order to increase those reference prices. And, uh, they, they haven't found the necessary funding yet, uh, uh, Senator Bozeman told me. Give us a little behind the scenes as, as far as how the reference prices affect, uh, what they're doing. Well, the reference prices, they used to be called target prices for those long in the tooth, like me. And they're, they're really in it for years in which commodity prices are low to very low. That's really the only time when you need the farmer safety net. And the problem we got into is that several years ago, uh, then House Ag Committee uh, Chairman Frank Lucas, Republican from Oklahoma, tried to tell the farm groups that that when prices were high, that was the time to raise the reference or target prices, but they chose not to go that way. Uh, and so now we're suffering uh, consequences. But there is a gap now. The safety net has a lot of holes in it. And so that's why the big push, because uh, a Bozeman from Arkansas made clear that unless uh, the reference prices are increased and the uh, safety net is made uh, effective, he will not support a new farm bill. So that you, then you would just get an extension. But he really thinks that they'll come up with some program because uh, he told me one size does not fit all when it comes to the farm bill because the unique needs of various uh, regions and and, and industries, you know, southern agriculture has different needs than, say, Midwest or uh, upper 
upper Midwest, and so they're trying to f- fill the holes embodied in that. The, the interesting thing he said, one of the things they'll they'll avoid is some of these draconian amendments that get at agriculture, such as attempts in the past to to reduce or get away from the sugar program, things like that. So it's just not what you get in a farm bill, it's what you stop from getting in it. Senator Bozeman is the ranking Republican in the Senate side. Senator Stabenow is yeah. the uh, chair of the Ag Committee. You mentioned uh, Representative Thompson, who's the chair of the House Ag Committee. Who's going to blink first? Who are we likely to see uh, a draft of the Farm Bill come from first, House or Senate? Well, now that's an interesting one. Klobuchar, Senator Klobuchar, a Democrat from Minnesota, this week when I when I heard her speak, uh, said that she thinks the Senate's going to go first. Now, Bozeman tended to back that up. But I don't know whether that means dropping a bill, a draft bill out there or completing the bill. The problem in getting a timeline for the farm bill is that Sabinoff has indicated that until the appropriation or spending bills are completed for fiscal year 2024, that starts October 1, uh, significant work on the farm bill, especially floor debate, will not occur. Well, the Senate has not yet approved any of the 12 appropriation bills. Now, the Appropriations Committee has cleared all 12, but, you know, it's going to take a while. That means you're into October and probably a little later before, you know, this thing is done. And in my chats with G.T. Thompson, House Ag Committee Chair, Republican from Pennsylvania, he kind of echoed that, that the House They've only completed one appropriations bill. And if you recall, the agriculture appropriations bill had some draconian amendments on it. So they pulled that from the floor before they went out on their six-week uh, summer recess. So uh, watch your appropriations uh, bills for the, for the, I think, a more realistic timeline on the farm bill. There's all this conversation about the farm bill, and as large as it is, as a percentage, if you look at a pie chart, I'd say that it's just a tiny, tiny little line of the overall budget. Is there any conversations about getting a real overall budget in front of either the Senate or the House and really go through the, the actual hearings and do a real budget like like we used to do? Go back to zero-based budgeting. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you throw it all out and say, let's start, let's let's start with a clean sheet of paper and and figure out how we ought to be spending tax dollars and where it ought to go rather than just a CR. Uh, Zero-based budgeting is the right way to go. But, you know, we're into a period in which both political parties just can't get things done on time. I mean, look at the, the debt limit increase, how long that took. It's just taking them longer and longer. And gone are the days where former House Ag Chairman uh, Colin Peterson he was also in Minnesota earlier this week at a meeting I was at, and he told me uh, when he got $10 billion extra above and beyond the baseline, that was some of his worst times because everybody came at him wanting to spend that extra t- you know, $10 billion. I remember in one of the farm bills, I think it was 2001, the ag panel got $75 billion more above the baseline, and that's when they did create a pretty good farm bill. But this year, no, it's not going to, it'll be a baseline farm bill. And that's what's so rough about this. How do you 
increase the uh, reference prices when they when it can cost so much because they're so out of hand when it comes to corn, soybeans, and wheat. And they're eighty five percent of your base acres are corn, soybeans, and wheat. So if you do anything for them, it dramatically increases the uh, cost factors. You're listening to Ag and NC, brought to you by Syngenta Global. Nothing ruins a tasty vegetable like a hungry insect. That's why you need Besiege Insecticide with fast knockdown and residual control. It protects your crop from worms and other pests. Learn more about Besiege Insecticide. Talk with your Syngenta field rep. And as always, read and follow label instructions. I'm Dan Miller, along with Jeff Turner, and we're talking with Washington columnist for Pro Farmer Jim Wiesmeyer. Jeff? If you go back and look over the last five or so years, the nutrition assistance programs are actually under the projection. I think crop insurance is under projection, and I'm not sure how that if that's good or bad when, it, when you start talking about baseline. If you're not spending as much as you projected, how does that affect the baseline go forward? Well, it's the pie that you're talking about. Over the last few years, outside of the farm bill, the government has spent, I like to say taxpayers, has spent $91 billion to help the farmers and the rural community. That was relative to disaster programs, the, the Trump trade war payments with China, uh, et cetera. And that was off budget. So that's not included in the farm bill expenditure. So you can see the dilemma here. Here we've gotten used to that uh, annual disaster payment or enhancing the support mechanism. Will that continue to be the case outside the farm bill? That's a cause of concern. Uh, obviously, the, the bigger part that I, that I think most of our growers or farmers are interested in are with regard to crop insurance and that sort of thing. Is there still good a good amount of support in both houses with regard to subsidizing the insurance portion? Yes, uh, incentivizing, I like to say. Yeah, absolutely. There are There is bipartisan support, Democrats and Republicans. That's one of the few areas that Congress agrees about. And in fact, they want to improve some areas, maybe, maybe lower the premiums uh, to encourage some, some, some additional buy-up of insurance policies, et cetera, maybe looking at the disaster program, that $91 billion that I mentioned before, how you can weave some of that into a more effective insurance uh, you know, safety net. And over the last few years, the biggest growth area in insurance policies in the ag sector have been dairy and cattle. We've seen a dramatic increase in the insurance packages for uh, cattle producers, primarily as a result of taking the cap off of cattle insurance payments a few years ago. And by the way, that didn't come in a farm bill. That came in another bill. I always tell farmers that just the farm bill is just one feature. These annual appropriation bills are mini farm bills. So if you don't get what you want in this coming farm bill, you, you can look for the annual appropriation bills to really get what you need. Because if we go into a period, like some people think, of rising carryover for corn and maybe soybeans, you're going to need some additional safety net support. And also you need trade policy. And that that's really the enigma right now. 
We have a very ineffective trade policy, most people think. Bozeman hit on that, that he thought he thinks Democrats and Republicans don't like the way the Biden administration is going relative to trade policy. So that means look at the how much money funding they put into trade market development programs. So other countries are going around the world inking new trade agreements, and we haven't announced a new ag-related trade agreement for years. Yeah, pre-70s, that wouldn't have been a bigger deal, but now more and more. Absolutely. It's called the global market now. Absolutely. We had a mega change once we opened the world and the rise of the rest around the world, but you have to remain competitive. And so that's why you have to have these investments in technology, et cetera. And, you know, a number of farmers, I'll be in Iowa through six speeches next week, uh, Iowa Soybean Council. And, boy, looking at the soybean sector, just as important as the Farm Bill are energy-related programs, whether it's carbon mitigation programs. I mean, USDA is throwing three-plus billion dollars carbon uh, reduction programs, but also sustainable aviation fuel programs, uh, incentive payments that that the airline industry is getting. And if that goes into force, and that's just not a federal program, that's a state program as well, California and other states like California who are putting a lot of money in sustainable aviation fuel, that's going to mean that we could grow soybeans for soybean oil as opposed to meal. We're going to crush for oil rather than meal, and that could be a mega change in the years ahead. So watch your energy programs because they're very important. And relative to corn, corn needs to qualify for some of these energy-related programs, and the Energy Department and Treasury Department has not yet ruled on that. So that's an upcoming decision that's going to be important because the renewable fuel standard needs to be changed because it, in the prior it's been based on gasoline consumed. And with the rise of electric vehicles now taking a little over 7% of, of all cars and SUVs purchased, you have to change the tenant of the renewable fuel standard program to more octane rating, which they're doing, and also as a, car, as a carbon mitigation program. So you're going to see a fundamental change in the renewable fuel standard program as well. Jeff, if we want to play in that game, we're going to need more crush capacity in North Carolina and probably in the U.S. as a whole. I think capacity obviously has continued to be limited and limited, and I, I agree. I mean, the oil portion of that uh, of the soybean complex is that's what we're talking about, and in doing so, that maybe an offset to that, I should say, might be that if you've got more crush capacity, the price of soybean meal may be deflated a bit, which would be very good for hog and Cal- poultry. Absolutely. So that's why this is not just a a crop topic. The livestock industry should watch this. You know, very carefully. Beginning of the summer season, the Supreme Court made a decision in regard to uh, California Proposition 12. At least one justice said, here's the path towards doing something. It's got to happen with the legislative branch. Is there much appetite for doing something uh, with Congress? There's bipartisan support for that. However, in my interview with Senator Bozeman, he said he would support a legislative change. It's called the EAT Act, by the way. But he acknowledged that it's controversial and it may be a hard road to hold to get to get it in the farm bill. So I think he was very honest in that regard. In my conversations with G.T. Thompson, House Ag Committee Chairman, he also uh, is pushing a legislative fix to the draconian uh, California Proposition 12. Uh, He thinks he can get it into the farm bill, so we have a little difference of opinion there. Uh, One way or the other, the fear is that this thing, this concept of having a one state 
dramatically change the structure of an industry, in this case, the hog industry, could accelerate in a number of other states and another other topics. And you're correct. The Supreme Court gave the verbiage of how it could be done, which tells me that pork producers and the American Farm Bureau Federation, who initially filed the case against California, should have gone a different way in their arguing of the case. So I think we're you know, suffering the consequences of that. That's why you need a legislative fix. I don't think the, the ag industry took California seriously when it first came out, and California put a lot of money behind that referendum and it passed. The EATS Act is obviously very important to the hog industry, especially. Was Bozeman just very matter-of-fact that he didn't think he could get in? If, in fact, the nutrition program unifies both sides of the aisle, and we need to keep them together. Seems to me this is a good place to put it. It's one of the few places to put it because it wouldn't pass a standalone bill. That's point one. The second point, however, is anything controversial going into a political year divided by four usually doesn't get part of uh, major bills, and that's the conundrum. Uh, I want to emphasize that Bozeman was very much in support of the EATS Act. He just said that there's a, a, a significant uh, opposition to it. Let me let me jump in and say, Jim, what you are what you're saying basically there is, is that uh, in presidential election years, controversial topics just don't get passed. Is that what you said? Yeah. And anything tax related, you know, if it's got to do anything in taxes, incentive payments, kind of in taxes. OK, that's usually you just don't touch those. They're the third rail in a in a, in a year divided by four. We got to get things accomplished this year. Next year's off the table. I, I read one of your comments that said, "Look, you can't put this thing out too early, or it begins to smell like like rotten fish." fish. What's the yeah. timing allowed in this? I mean, how do? What's the trick there? Okay, for your listeners, here's what to do: when they drop the bill, the draft bill or a final bill, then there's usually going to be a week to two weeks at the most before the committee marks it up. So first, we're going to get the bill language of the bill. Then a week or so will pass by before the House and Senate Ag Committee as, as total marks it up. Another key thing to watch out in that is the manager's amendment. Remember that phrase, because that's where they include a manager's amendment, sometimes controversial things in the manager's amendment that's voted up or down. You cannot amend a manager's amendment. Once the bill clears the House and Senate Ag Committee, you do not want much time before it's voted on in the House and Senate floor. So another signal to watch out is when they have a committee vote, the chairwoman, Debbie Stavenaugh, in the Senate, the chairman in the House Ag Committee, uh, G.T. Thompson, better know that they have a date certain at which that farm bill is going to be voted on. Uh, in, in the House and Senate floor, that there is your guideline. Let that be your judgment as far as the timing uh, of this bill. I'm not going to rule out this thing just being postponed until early next year. Now, we just said that's a year divisible by four, but the pressure will come if commodity prices were to go uh, down and continue lower the pressure to do something will increase, and that'll go to Congress to do something. Uh, both G.T. Thompson and Bozeman both said that the leadership in both political parties, Democrats and Republicans in both the House and Senate, want to get a major bill accomplished uh, this calendar year, other than appropriation bills. 
the farm bill will would fit that category. So that's going to give it some momentum by the end of this year that they'll want to get a major achievement done. So that's actually a plus side to getting the farm bill done yet this calendar year. Jim, I, I don't think at this point we need to establish your credibility, but if I could pull your lips back and look at the length of your teeth, how many how many farm bills is this for you? We have in our great country, this is the 19th farm bill. I will have covered 11 of them. I, I say in my speeches, all great men are dead and I'm not well myself. <laughs> Did Truman sign right off or was there a hesitancy or weren't you at that one? <laughs> Jim Weissmeyer has been a constant watchdog for agriculture in Washington, D.C. We're happy to talk with him, and we're proud to have him represent farmers. I'll end it. Let's put the farm in the farm bill. Uh, that's what a North Dakota grower said. Yep. Bozeman commented on it, and I think he's spot on. Put the farm yep. in the farm bill. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Jim Weissmeyer is the Washington columnist for Pro Farmer. Check out his podcast, Signal to Noise, with Chip Flores. You're listening to Ag and NC on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations. Lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. Bill Carone Cars in Wallace is the only Chevy GM dealer in eastern North Carolina to be an Ag Pack dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 to ching in savings on products you probably already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the Ag Pack program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. I'm waiting for a nip in the air, but I know it's coming. That means the North Carolina State Fair is coming as well, and tickets are already on sale. Get advanced sale tickets at a cheaper price, $10 for adults, 5 for children, ages 6 to 12. Unlimited ride wristbands are available for $30 each and can be purchased online as well. Kent Yelverton, the State Fair manager, says advanced sale tickets are the way to go. They get more expensive when the fair starts. By the way, this year, ride ticket credits will be placed on a chip card, which can be presented at each ride and automatically deduct for the ride. And just like Mickey dollars, they carry over year to year. Let's check last week's commodities numbers. Expiring August live cattle futures closed at 178.52 and a half on Friday, while most active October end of the week at 178.82 and a half. That closing price marked a weekly decline of $2.50. Expiring August feeder futures ended at $245.57.5 with October contracts closing the week at $250.70. Later close represented a weekly loss of $2.17. Packers and bears retained the upper hand in cash and futures trading of fed cattle last week. October lean hog futures closed at 82.12.5. That's up 80 cents on the week. The lean hog futures bulls produced a weekly save after prices hit a six-week low on Wednesday. Close to home, North Carolina's egg prices were higher on all sizes when compared to the prior week. The weighted price quoted Thursday, August 17th, for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 162.08 for extra large, 140.50 for large. 123.51 for medium and $85 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was 10 to 23 cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices range mostly 506 to 538 at the feed mills, mostly 520 to 560 at the elevators through Thursday, August the 17th. Number one yellow soybeans were mixed 26 cents lower to 11 cents higher, ranged 1395 to 1420 at the processors, 
mostly 1305 to 1333 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was 11 and 19 cents lower, range 475 to 48 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants range 464.60 to 496.90 per ton for 46.5 to 48 percent protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery corn was 491 to 565 and soybeans range 1240 to 1325. That's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. Listen to the program on Talk 96.3 or 103.7 at 6.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock at night on Mondays. And you could subscribe for our longer podcast version on Apple or Spotify. Details on all that and links to our sponsors is on aginnc.com. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, make it a great week.